to Isaiah chapter number 9. While you're turning there, in John chapter 12, there's an interesting statement in verse 41. The Apostle John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was telling those religious Jews whose minds were blinded by religion and unbelief. He said, uh, you want to go to the Old Testament, do that. He said, if you want to brag about the prophet Isaiah, you do that too. But this man that you've rejected, this man that you despise, that says he's Jesus, he said, even your Old Testament prophet Isaiah said, John twelve forty one, Isaiah saw his glory and spake of him. He said, Isaiah, 800 years before the birth of Christ, saw the glory of, of the Messiah, saw his glory and spake of him. That's why in John 5, Jesus said, search the scriptures. The Old Testament for the New Testament had not been given. Search the scriptures for they are they which testify of me. That's why in the book of Acts, when the eunuch was reading from Isaiah 53, there was enough gospel there for that Holy Ghost filled deacon named Philip to lead him to Christ because Isaiah saw the glory of the Lord and spake of him. All you got to do is read Isaiah 53. He saw the glory of the substitutionary death of Christ upon the cross. That he was wounded for our transgressions. And that he was bruised for our iniquities. He saw the glory of his millennial reign. He saw the glory of his kingdom. When it said the whole earth is full of his glory. And I'm glad to report to you that one day this whole world will not be filled with sorrow and violence. It will be filled with the glory and the peace of God Almighty. Come to our text this morning, Isaiah 9. Isaiah saw the glory of the first coming of Christ. He saw the glory of the virgin birth of Jesus. He saw the glory of Christ coming into this world. He saw it in the form of a promise and a prophecy. And I'm telling you today, this prophecy, this promise was fulfilled the first Christmas day when Jesus Christ came into this world, just like God said that he would. But in our text this morning, there are three things about the birth of Christ that God let Isaiah see, and it was glorious, and it is glorious. And I'm glad that the Lord let Isaiah say what he saw about the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you look in Isaiah chapter 9 this morning in verse number 5, he saw the purpose of his birth. He saw the purpose of the first advent. He saw the purpose of Jesus Christ coming into this world to be our Savior. What was it? Look in verse 5. I'm sorry, verse number 2. Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 2. It says, The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. And they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them the light shines. 
What was the purpose of Jesus Christ coming into this world? Because mankind up to the birth of Jesus Christ walked in darkness and had upon them the sentence and the shadow of death. But aren't you glad 2,000 years ago, hallelujah, in a manger in Bethlehem, light overcame darkness. And I'm glad the hope of the world to escape the sentence and the sting and the sorrow of death is that Christ became the Savior and He died and He arose and He lives forever. Hallelujah, what a Savior. But the purpose of the birth of Christ was to come to save us and redeem us from the darkness that we set in and the sting and the shadow of death that was come upon us. Last week I made this statement and I want to say it again. When Jesus came, light came. And when Jesus Christ came, hope came. And when Jesus Christ came, peace came. And when you put the light and the hope and the peace together, no wonder we sing joy to the world. The Lord is come. And so verse number two, he dealt with the purpose of his birth to redeem us from the darkness and the death that was upon us. Come down, if you will, to verse number six. This is one of the most quoted verses in the Christmas season. And not only do we see the purpose of the birth of Christ, why he came, to save us from the sentence of death and the shadow of darkness. But in the first part of verse number 6, we see the people of Christmas. Or we see the people whom Christ came for. We see the people that got to receive the greatest gift that has ever been given. And I love the opening phrase of the text in verse number 6. Say it out loud with me. For unto us. Draw a line. Right there. I'm glad God not only fulfilled his purpose, but I'm glad God came to his people. Unto us. Unto us. Now, I don't have to remind you this morning that us covers a lot of stuff. Us. I believe beside of that little phrase, us, you could write down the word lost. I believe beside of the word us, you could write down the word wicked. I believe you could write beside of that word sinners. I believe you could write down beside of that verse rebellious, defiled. Us, without hope, without God, without Christ. And I want to write beside of that word, the word unworthy and the word undeserving. You can't name me one thing man ever done since creation that was worthy of Christ coming into this world. But in spite of being unworthy, in spite of being ungodly, in spite of being hopeless and helpless and wicked and ungodly. He came and the Bible said, us. 
for unto us. This is not good English, but it's good preaching. I'm glad I'm one of the us's. Aren't you glad he came for us? Aren't you glad he died for us? Aren't you glad he arose for us? Aren't you glad he wrote the Bible for us? Aren't you glad that he sent Jesus for us? Aren't you glad the Holy Spirit came to convict us? Are you glad He saved us, spoke to us, drew us, raised us? I'm glad you and I today are the reason Jesus came into this world for unto us. And I see the purpose. I see the people. But in the rest of verse number 6, I see the person of Christmas. I see the person who came. I see the person of the birth of Christ. And I see the twofold life of Christ in two words in the opening phrase of verse number six. Read it with me. For unto us, number one, a child is born. And unto us, a son is given. Unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. Those two words sums up the life of Christ in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He came as the Christ child. He was born as the Christ child. The shepherds, the angels, the wise men, Mary, Joseph, worshipped and adored him as the Christ child. But can I remind you this morning that he was more than the Christ child. He was the son of the living God. As the Christ child, he fulfilled the coming promises and prophecies that he would be born in Bethlehem. He would be born of a virgin. He would be born in the fullness of time. As a Christ child, he fulfilled that. But can I remind you, as a son of God, he performed the miracles and prayed the prayers and taught the lessons and went to the cross and died for our sin and became sin for us. And as a son, gave himself for the sons of men that the sons of men might become the sons of God. Yes, a child was born, but yes, a son is given. And I'm glad Jesus, Emmanuel, God Almighty, is the child that was born and is the son that was given. Hallelujah for the gospel. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. May I remind you today that God gave His Son for us. I see in the phrase there the nature of this person. Who was Jesus that was born at Christmas? He was the child that was born. He is the Son that was given. But I see more than the nature of the person in these verses. I see His name. He had such a wonderful, holy, immaculate name. Notice what God, notice what sovereignty, notice what deity named this child that was born and named this son that was given. Verse number 6, 
and his name. The name of the Christ child that was born. The name of the son that was given. Who is he? What is his name? Read it with me. And his name shall be called Wonderful. Can I just say this morning, if you have met Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you have no problem saying amen to that part. Wonderful. Wonderful. Counselor. Nobody can lord your life like the Lord of glory. Counselor. The mighty God. There's no limits, boundaries, and borders, for he is the mighty God. Oh, boy, I love this. The everlasting Father has no ending, has no beginning, gives unto them eternal life. Those that put their faith in the child that was born and the son that was given. And when you think wonderful is great and counselor is great, the mighty God is great, the everlasting Father is great, he said. And by the way, he's not just peace. He's not just the giver of peace, the maker of peace, the speaker of peace. But he is the prince of peace. Every time I read that verse, I think I'm glad that I know who Jesus is. I see his nature A child is born, a son is given, I see his name, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. And can I say, ladies and gentlemen, the child that was born and the son that was given lived up to every one of those names. And he's still living up to every one of those names. And forever and forever and forever, he will be wonderful. He will be the counselor. He will be the prince of peace. He will be the mighty God. He will be the everlasting father. And I'm glad for the purpose. For those that was in darkness, those was in death. I'm glad for the people unto us. And I'm glad for the person, the son, the child in his name. But I want to end this morning in the last part of verse number 6 and the first part of verse number 7. The power and the preeminence of Christmas. This first Christmas. This celebration of the birth of Christ. What is the ramifications of that? I want to tell you. More than a baby in a manger. More than a stranger by Galilee. More than a miracle worker in Jerusalem. Much more than a martyr upon a cross. Much more than a Savior who rose again. You say, how do you get bigger and more preeminent and powerful than that? Well, notice verse 7. This child, this son, wonderful counselor, mighty God, Prince of Peace, everlasting Father. Notice, and of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with with judgment and justice forever and ever. And it says, and the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. What is the power and the preeminence of the birth of Christ? That he's the Savior forever. And he's the counselor forever. And he is the Lord of glory forever. Ever. I got to thinking the other day, if I had every toy back that my mom and daddy ever gave me out on a toy store, 
In fact, by looking at the internet, some of the things, mom, you made me throw away. It's worth thousands of dollars now. I seen the other day a fella went to this uh, auction and paid $500 for something I run over one time. And I'm telling you, all these things lose their glitter. If you take the batteries out of it, it don't work anyway. And then I got to thinking, if I had every car that I ever had, you'd have to have a car lot. Some of them I'm glad I don't have anymore. I sold Joanna's first car, and that guy said, Pastor, has this car ever been wrecked? I said, does Carter got peanuts and planes? And I mean, all this stuff we gather, our home, our buildings, our clothes, even our bodies, age, the elements, take its toll. I've often heard it said, well, you might as well get used to it. Nothing lasts forever. I beg your pardon. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, is forever and forever. The Word of the living God is forever and forever. And the kingdom of God is forever and forever. And salvation through the blood of Christ and the grace of God is forever. And aren't you glad because those that walked in darkness and those that centered the shadow of death, the child was born, the son is given, and his name is wonderful, and he is eternal. And I'm glad we can know him personally through salvation, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe the greatest present anybody could ever receive is eternal life through Jesus Christ, God's Son. Will you bow your head with me all over the building this morning?